Welcome back to Becoming Next on Scene, everybody. It is your host, Jackie Zook. It is another awesome day for another awesome episode of How to Become Next on Scene in your field of business or in your passion. Before I bring on my amazing and inspiring guest today, I always like to start with a marketing tip to get your week started and then a self-care tip to end your week and continue it positively. So, and also my guest today will talk so much about self-care. She's so awesome. So I'm really excited to introduce you to her as well. So marketing tip of the day, I'm literally having anxiety as I just posted a reel to my Instagram. Let me tell you, like reels, being in social media and marketing for so long, reels give me anxiety. TikToks give me anxiety. Like, I don't know if anybody feels this, like even if you're in the industry, like it took me about an hour to edit a reel. Okay. So to all the people that think this is easy, it's time consuming. But if you get it right, you can reach so many people. So creating realistic goals and maybe simplifying like how often you do them and how much you want to like put them out there. I always say realistic is the way to go because I'm all about the long game and not the short term game. So food for thought on that. Maybe explore real or TikTok this week. I'm excited to see the results. So that is my marketing tip of the day. Um, My self-care tip of the day is all about embracing your body in the present moment. Um, For those of you who are listening, whether you may or may not know, I'm newly pregnant, um, well, six months now, which is kind of crazy, but I'm really embracing my body. And I think that's so important and so relatable to who my amazing guest is today. Um, We talk all about body peace and empowering and loving who you are and who you're becoming because we live in our bodies and our bodies are our home day in and day out. And so as much as our body goes through changes, it's so important to embrace it. So do something today that's going to help you embrace and love, love, love who you are from the inside out. So that is my self-care tip of the day. Now I'm so excited to share my amazing guest with you, Nina Mandelson, who is a body peace coach. We talk all about um, trending topics from social eating, overeating, and what the concept and thought processes behind that. We also talk about so many more things of how to really love who you are instead of worrying about what other people think. And I think that that's so, so positive for a world that's ever changing right now. So you're not alone. I can't wait for you to meet Nina. So stay tuned for the amazing Nina Mandelson. The ups, the downs, and all the in-between. What it takes to become next on scene. Are you next? Follow us at Next On Scene. Welcome back to Becoming Next on Scene. I am so excited to be here with one amazing body piece coach, Nina Mandelson. Hi, Nina. How are you today? Hi, Jackie. I am so good and completely delighted to be here with you. Same. So excited. And I know you and I have a session this week too. So I'm really excited <laughs> being a pregnant mom to be and like talking about all the things. So for people who don't know what a body piece coach is, like tell us what that is. Yeah. So a body peace coach is someone who helps, in my case, women move from that war, that struggle, that, you know, tug of like control and release that so many women have with food and so much hatred towards their body. So, so many women are caught in this like, oh, I ate the wrong thing, or I can't believe I ate that, or I did this again, or 
oh my gosh, look at my butt or my thighs or my arms or my whatever that part is. And so women are in this very aggressive, roaring relationship with their body. And body peace is about finding a different relationship with your body that feels good, that feels authentic, that feels supportive and caring and respectful and just feels like, oh yeah, like this is a good place to live, this body. And oh yeah, I can navigate food in a way that feels easy and doesn't feel like a, I often hear women say, this feels like a land, I feel like I'm going through like a minefield. Like, oh, I shouldn't eat that. Oh, that one has this in it. And oh, does this have this? And oh, what about this? And it's just so stressful. And that is not the way we want to live in our body. And we have to eat a whole bunch of times in a day. It's not the way we want to actually interact with food either. So body peace is about finding that other way that feels like, oh, I can relax in this body. I can relax at this meal in front of this buffet, at this social situation. I can relax and not worry that I'm going to feel like 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 wild wolves are taking me down this path of eating you know every single cookie in the bag right <laughs> I love the name too I feel like when you hear body peace you're just like oh this is like zen like I feel very calm <laughs> when I hear it so like what inspired the name like because you hear so yeah. many people that do what you do but this is like a very unique clear name that's very memorable yeah yeah, actually, I'm in the process of trademarking it. Um, and why I came to Body Peace is for a long time, I really believed like, oh, it's about body love, right? We're going to really fall in love with our body and we're going to achieve this place where we look in the mirror and go, I love you. And I literally, and I do not exaggerate, for 10 years tried like the affirmations, like looking at myself in the mirror, I love you. And there was like this little voice inside that was like, you don't. That's just not true. And I was like, it is, it's not true. And so I realized like love is almost too aspirational. So it's too high a goal. But what's much more sustainable, something that we can really live in every day is a sense of peace with ourselves, right? I don't like, I've been married for almost 25 years. There's not every single day that I go, oh my gosh, you are the most amazing human on the planet. I love you more than anything. Like not every single day. I think he's pretty great, but really not every day. But every day, do we have a really good relationship where we can communicate, where we respond to each other, where we care about each other, where we think about what the other person wants and needs, where we are able to communicate our needs? Yes, that's a relationship that's based on peace, right? But if I'm always expecting every single moment while we're, you know, at the grocery store to be like that of like super duper love, that's not real life. And we're taught that in our relationship with our body, like, oh, the only way to love your body is either you have this body that looks like our cultural ideal of beauty, which is on the billboard, or you're like loving your body because you're a project. But like, no, there are other ways to be. And that's where this concept of body peace shows up because in that container of body peace comes, I communicate with my body. I listen to my body. I, I respect my body, right? I'm in support and in service to my body. So good. 
I also want to like, just because this is so recent and you did this in your content, like talking about the concept of overweight. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like there's just this judgment and definition of what people think overweight is. Like, can you deep dive more yes. into that? I thought it was so good. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I hear it a lot from women. Oh, I'm overweight. Or even not even just clients. Like literally I'm like in conversation when they're like, oh yeah, well, I'm overweight. And really over what weight, Right. It's not like if someone said, I don't say, oh, I'm over height. Over what height? Who gets to decide what the right height is? Who gets to decide what the right weight is? Right. And those, I grew up with this, the weight and height charts, right. That they start as, as babies, right. To track your development. Then we've taken it and put it on weird steroids and made it like it's some, exact science that people are supposed to be this specific weight. And a lot of that is dictated by our diet culture that's trying to sell us weight loss. A lot of it is dictated by our beauty ideals, right? Of what is beautiful. And a lot of that is dictated literally from a scientist. I think he was from Brussels and he worked for an insurance company and he was trying to make some insurance I can't remember the details, but some network of insurance versus liability. And he added in weight numbers. It was based on men. It was not based on women. It was not meant for health or related issues. It was completely not related at all to the lived experience. It was data for insurance, right? So suddenly we've got this idea of weight and being this specific weight that is really based in something that's irrelevant to our sense of well-being and our sense of ease in our own body and our ability to trust our body, to trust when we're hungry, to trust when we're thirsty, to trust when we're full, Mm -hmm. right? That's the relationship part that we want to develop. And when we say, I'm overweight, we're like going, I'm not good. I'm broken. There's something here that needs to be fixed. You're not broken. So good. I can't believe that data. Like what? That's crazy. What a fun fact though. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous where a lot of our beliefs around body have been developed. And many of a lot of the fat phobia in our culture and weight stigma and sizeism, right? Sizeism, judging people on people's size is based in racism right? How do you define sort of, you know, a white upper-class society? How do you make them more elevated and Black communities less elevated? Well, let's stigmatize the Black body, a larger body, right? Let's make that wrong and let's make that tiny European frame correct and right and bring that up. So a lot of our beauty ideals and weight stigma comes also from racism. And then it's steeped into our culture in a million ways, right? Those are deep roots, but then it's steeped into what our mothers said to us, right? Oh, don't eat that. That's, you know, that's that phrase, a a moment in the lips, uh, you know, ends up on your hips, whatever that ridiculous thing is, right? I've never heard that before. That's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, that's it's just horrible, right? And so that whole concept of having those messages repeated in different ways, right, through 
you know, teen girls looking at magazines of, oh, let's lose seven pounds in seven days, right? To gym coaches saying, you know, in order to compete here, you have to be thin in dating, right? For women, like, oh, the only way you'll be attractive is to be thin. So those messages that are fat phobic and that really make us feel bad if our bodies don't fit into this very small window of accessibility are surround us. And so it is a real countercultural journey and a real journey of body reclamation to say, no, I am not buying this diet culture product. And the diet culture is $72 billion is, is being crazy. made. Crazy. Yeah, it's crazy being made on us feeling bad about ourselves. I mean, how could it not? It's everywhere. Yeah. Like realistically, everywhere. Though, seriously. Yeah. And I imagine for you too, right? Pregnancy, then, oh, great. Now you've had your baby. Now here's how to get your pre-body baby back. Well, you know what? You're never going to get that body back. Body to have a baby, right? right? So you're in a totally different body. This is a body that has been pregnant or given and given birth or breastfed or not or had complications with pregnancy or breastfeeding, right? That's a whole other journey that your body has been on that isn't given any respect. It's like, oh, now to have a good body you should get back to that pre-pregnancy size. And yesterday when you and I, or the two days ago we were talking, we were talking about the secrets of women's bodies, like how, whether you have a baby or not, your body's in transition. Or can you talk more about the phases? I thought that was so fascinating. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So our, we talk about development in our society on a very psychological level, right? We talk about adolescence and independence, and we talk about young adulthood and adulting, Right. But the reality is, as women, we go through many more developmental stages, and it's so important to acknowledge them because they're also the journey of our body, right? We go through being, you know, a baby, right? Then we go into puberty. Well, that's a giant developmental stage, right? Then we go into sort of this, like, older sort of fertility more sexually active stage, right? That's a whole other body relationship we have. It's a different body to be in relationship with, right? Where we have to set up boundaries and we have to figure out what is pleasure for us. And, you know, when do we want to have babies? Do we want to have babies? Can we have babies, right? That's a whole other developmental stream of our relationship with our body, right? Then if you go, if you do have a baby, what's that like? right? If you don't have a baby, what's that like? That impacts who we are developmentally, right? It impacts our relationship with our body. We are in relationship with an ever-changing body, right? Then you move forward, right? Then you've got perimenopause, then you got menopause, right? Then you got postmenopause, right? Then you have aging, right? But meanwhile, none of those developmental stages in a woman's body's life is acknowledged in our culture. No, what you're always trying to do is anti-age. What you're always trying to do is that pre-pregnancy body. What you're always trying to do is get some other body without actually respecting and being on the journey that this body is on, which is so powerful. There's so much embodied 
deep wisdom that comes from living in a body, right? What you know about your body right now as it moves through pregnancy is kind of mind-blowing. It's things you didn't know six months ago. So true. Because they, just like you said, they don't educate publicly enough on this Mm -mm. information at all. No, there's no money to be made for it from it. Interesting. Never right. What product are you gonna what product are you gonna sell that says to women, you know what, getting to know your relationship with your body and really listening to the wisdom of each stage is really valuable and will support you in sustainably supporting and nourishing and taking care of your body at the age and stage that you are in. Totally. Not a lot of money to be made there, but it's so important to dive in because it's one of the keys to body peace is knowing our body story diving into the wisdom of the journey that your unique and amazing body has been on because all of us have been through something. Totally. And so how did you fall into this world? Like, how did you become a body peace coach? Tell us. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'll tell you the short answer and then I'll elaborate. So the short answer is I hated my body, right? I was in that relationship of body hate and body shame where I was like, okay, what's the next diet? Okay, what's the next diet? Like I did Weight Watchers for more years than I care to admit, right? I did every diet under the sun. I was always in body management and I was always feeling bad, right? So then I was like, okay, this has got to stop, right? I did all the diets. Then I became um, a body worker at that time as well. And I was like working, doing massage with people, women's bodies, And I was hearing women's stories as I was massaging them, right? The journey that their bodies went through, all the diets they went on, all the shame they felt. And I was like, you know what? There's something wrong here. So I went back to school and became a therapist. And so then I was like, okay, I'm going to figure this out through this therapy psychological model. But I was still sort of just doing it on the emotional level. And I was like, yeah, but there's still this body that I'm trying to feed every day. How do I do this? So I went back to school and I, um, for nutrition. So I got very into learning about health and wellness and different kinds of ways to use uh, food as medicine. And I was really geeking out on it. But I, again, felt like there's something here that's missing the mark. And it was the combination of those. It's the psychological, how are we in relationship with ourselves? And how does that show up with our behavior in terms of nourishing ourselves on a sustainable everyday level? So it became this combination of very practical, but very psychological, and then really zooming out to include how are we impacted by our culture around us? What are the messages we're getting? And so body peace really grew out of 30 years of being on my own journey, being on a professional journey, and really working with women about their relationship with their body to help them feel truly like at home in their own skin. Because often women feel like they describe it to me like, I just do not want to deal with this body. I just feel like I can't get it right. I'm always failing. And this is our home. This is the only place we get to live. So it's worth kind of making it a good place. So true. So tell us, like for people who don't know you, like how you work with people because you have a lot of different avenues. So yeah. share. 
Share away. Yeah, <laughs> share away. So there's three basic sort of avenues into this work, right? One is this wonderful group called the Body Peace Seekers. And we meet three times a month and go into curriculum and go into really what's juicy, what's relevant. And also we explore our body stories. And the curriculum in that is really about how do you develop a body relationship? How do you get a sense of being embodied and be able to listen to your body and develop self-compassion? So that's one doorway in. The other doorway is a smaller, tighter knit group called Body Peacekeepers that are both doing group work and individual work. And that's for people who are ready to do that sort of next dive in. And we get into all the like, how does your relationship with your mother and her body impact your relationship with you? How does your relationship with your body impact your sexuality and your intimacy? How does your relationship with your body impact how you show up in a picture? How are you feeding yourself at night? It gets a little more into the like sort of nitty gritty, all the deeper stuff underneath the foundation of body listening and embodiment. So it's a bit of a a more intense, deeper dive. And then other people sometimes just want to work with me individually. So those are sort of the three ways is the body peace seekers, the body peace keepers and individual work. I love it. I like the names too, the seekers, the keepers. How do you come up with those creative things? Like explain to me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I think... I don't know. I think sometimes they just come, you know, and sometimes I'm completely stuck and I am very grateful to have a wonderful community of entrepreneurial women around me. And I'll go, so this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? And they're like, that's the one. Totally. You know? Yeah. It's always helped to do polls and like, it, it, it does. Yeah. It does. And then sometimes, cause for a while, the long time ago, the body peacekeepers was called the uh, nourished path. And then I was like, no, I was really getting very deep into understanding the curriculum that was body peace, really calling it that, really understanding that that's the core of this work is body peace. And so then I went to my that group and said, so how do you feel about being called body peacekeepers? They were like, yes, that's what we are. That's what we're doing. We are keeping body peace for our, like within our body, we are claiming this. I was like, great. And that's the right name, right? So sometimes it's just like literally asking my clients, how does this feel? Because it's a felt sense. It's what we want to claim for ourselves, mm-hmm. right? We want to claim that sense of stability and sustainable, like I am an ally for myself. I am a partner with myself versus always being like, I'm going to fix you and I'm going to change you and I'm going to manage you and I'm going to control you. Like that doesn't work in relationships. We we resist that kind of relationship. That's actually called an abusive relationship. So we don't want that. You know, we really don't and we don't deserve it with ourselves. Right. Love it. So with all the trending topics that we've been discussing, I definitely want to touch upon social eating because now with all the restaurants opened up, like how people are feeling comfortable going out eating, paying attention to what other people are doing. Talk more about that if you don't mind. Yeah. So social eating, (laughs) so interesting that you talk about things opening up because I also feel like things are closing down. And so they both have, they both have their sort of nuances and how it impacts our relationship with food. So as things open up and we're with more people, people start feeling very conscious, especially as 
our bodies have changed, which they always do, by the way. But in COVID, people felt very self-conscious about the changes because they were home more, they were moving less, they were doing home cooking more. There was just that people were living in larger bodies. And so there was more self-consciousness. So that comes to the table. That feeling of how we feel in our body translates to being at the table with other people. We imagine, are they judging? Are they watching how much I'm eating? Are they watching like what I'm choosing? Maybe I should just have a salad. I've heard this from so many clients. When I'm with my girlfriends, I only want to order a salad. I'm like, well, what would you order if you wanted? She was like, anything else. But I feel like that's the only acceptable choice, right? I'm only allowed to eat salads in public because that's good food, right? That's So to be in that place of like, wait, what do I want? What would give me pleasure is so important. In those social situations, we need to keep reorienting to ourselves. We need to keep centering ourselves. It's so easy to get sucked into the distraction of what other people are eating, what other people are thinking, what are you ordering, and not even listening to what we want, if we're hungry, if we're full, right? So how to, in social situations, tuning back in tuning back in. And that message of tuning back in, what would nourish me? What do I need? Works also as things are closing and we start to eat more for comfort, right? I'm sad. I'm missing my friends. I want to go out, right? But all there is, is like ice cream and popcorn. So I'll just do ice cream and popcorn, right? Is to also, wait, what am I feeling here? Just like we would in a social situation. Am I feeling overwhelmed? Am I feeling judged? Am I feeling like a little like, ah, I forgot how to do the social thing, (laughs) right? Like, how do you do this? I forgot how to eat like, I don't know, like in public, right? Same connect in we want to do on our own. What am I feeling? What do I need right now? What would support me, right? And at home, especially, can I let myself sit at the table and eat like I was eating in public, right? Often when people, when things start to shut down, people are no longer sitting to eat. They're eating at the counter. They're eating on the sofa. So true. They're eating when they're watching TV, right? It's like the thing I've said to my kids their whole life, eat while you're eating. (laughs) Just eat. Like you're eating, eat, right? Put your plate on a table, sit down and really be in the ritual of eating. It's a really amazing and fun thing, right? We have a whole culture built on gathering together to eat because it is something that nourishes us and it can bring us great pleasure. So if you're eating at home by yourself, give yourself that pleasure. Love it. I love these Nina-isms. I'm like remembering now eating to eat. (laughs) Like that's so good. So good. So, okay, before we play some like game time and talk about some fun facts, um, do you have anything you want to offer today to our audience? And how can they follow you on social media and reach out? Yeah, I'm really excited to offer a free workshop and it's called Shifting into Body Peace. And it's really a deep dive into a piece of curriculum that's very powerful, which is the Body Peace Map. And in it, I really pull out and outline the different kinds of relationships we have with our body and the different kinds of relationships we could have with our body, right? And what happens when we're in sort of the cultural prescribed 
relationships versus the relationships that we can develop and nurture so that we can feel good and support ourselves long-term. So that's a very powerful workshop and that's on my uh, website and social media. I'm at Nina Mandelson on Facebook. I'm at Nina Mandelson on LinkedIn. I'm at Nina Mandelson on Instagram. And I think that pretty much is where you can find me. And also if if people don't know where to start, I often say, email me at Nina at NinaMandelson.com. Like, just say, I don't know how to start this body piece path. You know, I've been at war. I'm hating my body. I'm struggling with food. And the thing that I really want women to know is it doesn't have to be that way. You deserve to feel good in your body and it can happen. It really can. It And it's not about dieting yourself there. That's not sustainable. For those of us who have been on the diet cycle, we know that does not last. So true. So true. And that's why you started part of the reason that you're doing what you're doing, right? Ending that cycle. Totally, (laughs) totally. Ending the cycle for us, but for future generations. We don't need girls who are seven years old and dieting. Right. right. We Good need point. to be like, this is my body. I'm allowed to be in it. We all deserve to be at peace and at home in our own skin. I love it. I love that you're trademarking it. I'm excited for you. It's awesome. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about fun facts about Nina. So you are a water lover. I like you swim oh. in the pond. Let's talk about that for a second. Cause oh I my think gosh. that's awesome. Every day you got I I love water. I like Walden Pond is totally my happy place to swim there. Any water I will swim in or paddleboard on, I need to be in or on water like pretty much daily. It just, it's like, like almost like my whole body goes like thirsty for it. And if I can't do that, then I'll do isolation float tanks. They're awesome. What is that? Um, So it's super cool. And there's a place in Boston that also it's called Float Boston. Um, And you basically go into sort of a contained space And it's filled with water that is like deeply saturated with um, Epsom salts. So you float and the Epsom salts have so many actions. It lets your muscles relax. It's completely dark. It's so nourishing. Like I do it before I fly, before I travel, when I come back, when I'm stressed. I try to, I literally go every single month and I just go for an hour and a half, just me in the float tank. It's like an induced meditation. I come out like, oh, so that's my other water therapy. Cool. Yeah. It's that very so cool. Different. Okay. Also for Walden Pond, for people who don't know where that is, can you share where that is? Cause not everybody. Yes. Yes. Not everybody's from Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Walden Pond is in, out in, in Concord or Lincoln. I think it's like sort of in the border there. And it's where, you know, Thoreau wrote a book on Walden Pond. And that's why Walden Pond is famous is because um, Thoreau lived there and wrote there. And it's just the most beautiful public pond that anybody can go to and swim and paddleboard and fish. And I never take knew about Thoreau. Them. That's like a super fun fact. Yeah. So cool. Yep. There's even Thoreau's house out there. There's a whole visitor center. It's a super cool place to go. Super cool. Yep. Full of knowledge, Nina. I love it. Okay. So also fun fact is you're Canadian. I am. 
And right I'm now, Canadian. while we're recording, you're in Canada with family. I'm actually in Canada. So I grew up in Canada, but then moved to the U.S. when I was a teenager on my own. And um, and then just stayed and stayed and stayed <laughs> and stayed. So when you first moved kids. to the U.S., were you in Mass? Where did you live first? I did because I finished high school in Massachusetts. Um, so yeah, I was there. And then I moved to New York City. Lived there Love for it. 10 years and Western Mass and, you know, a little here and Popped there. around, right. Needed variety, yeah. right? Yeah. Absolutely. And also, too, before we went to some other fun facts, you have two kids. Can we talk about your kids? So you're a mom I also. do. I am a mom. I have two kids. I have a 22-year-old and a 19-year-old. And they are truly fascinating humans. I always say I'm so glad I'm their mother because I get to know them for the rest of my life. And, you know, my mom used to always say to me, and my mom has has four kids, and uh, she used to always say, kids are so great because they teach you things that you, and they open doors that you would never walk through on your own. And that's what I feel like my kids have done is open doors and interesting places and, and just they widen our world. In I love that analogy. That makes me like look forward to being a mom more. That definitely makes a lot of sense. Well, I think first when we're in the beginning stages of motherhood, when our kids are old, we're opening doors for them. Here's what's possible, right? Here's try this. Let's try this. Let's try this. And then our kids get older and they're like, mom, let's try this. Let's try this. Let's try. Then they're the ones opening the doors. So it's very cool. So yeah. Funny. I love it. And then um, before we play game time, last fun fact is, so you mainly work with women, right? That's mainly your clientele? I do. I yeah. only work with women. Yeah, that's what I thought. But it, so originally you started with over 40 and now you're working with younger, right? Yes. So I did. I started working with over 40. I think people were, you know, I'm over 40. Like it was sort of a natural thing. But right now, younger women are finding the work and finding it so powerful. And so I am sort of just opening the door to women because we're all really needing this path to feeling at home, to feeling at peace, to feeling like we're, we trust our bodies in a culture that's constantly telling us otherwise. Right. And also too, I would think psychologically to start younger can only help you in the long haul, right? So it's, yes, it is very different to work with a young woman who's had, you know, 20, 30 years of diet culture coming at them versus somebody who's, you know, in 75 and saying, I just don't want to die hating my body. Mm -hmm. Right. And they've had 70 years of our diet culture telling them that their body should be different than crazy. Crazy to think about. It's, it's just wrong. It is. But that's why you exist, right? Fixing the problem. I love it. Okay. So we're going to play a quick game time. There's like no rush with how fast you need to answer. It's just fun. Okay. So what is Nina's favorite food? Oh, simple. Fresh figs and blueberries. I could live on those for the rest of my life. That sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. What a combo. So where did this where did this meal come from? <laughs> <laughs> they don't actually have to go together, but I love fresh figs. I just, I don't even know where I started. It's the only thing I actually know how to say in Greek. Misokilo tsika paraklo. 
<laughs> which means half a kilo of pigs, please. Because that's pretty much when I lived as a teenager and I went to Greece and like, I was like trying to navigate. That's all I learned. That's, that's all I ate. Mm-hmm. Pigs are delicious. And I love them. Oh my gosh. Great choices. Great choices. They're the best. Yeah. And then my husband often says I'm a bear because I could eat blueberries. Like truly I eat probably at least a pint of blueberries every single day. I love yeah. it. And such good antioxidants, right? I mean, they're amazing antioxidants. They're amazing. They're just like the little tasty burst of yum. And (laughs) they're just so good. My husband often says I must have been a bear in another life (laughs) because of my attachment to blueberries. I just, they make me happy. I love that. Okay. If you could wear one outfit for the rest of your life, what would it entail and why? Head to toe. yeah, it would be a maxi dress, which pretty much is what I wear almost every day anyway. It would be a maxi dress. It would be really relaxed. I wear dresses because it's how I am most comfortable. And probably I would wear sort of what I do, which is sort of like dangly earrings, long necklaces. Like I like flow. I like flow. I like comfort. I like pleasure. I like sensual. I would wear something that was sort of silky, satiny also. Like I just love that. I love that sort of pleasure in life and sensation. Love it. And like flip-flops or neat, like what shoes are you wearing? Oh, I think I'd go barefoot. Oh, really? I love that. I ask this question all the time. Nobody said that. That's so good. Yeah. I love think that. I'd go barefoot. Yeah. So good. Okay. Next question. Where's your favorite place you ever traveled? And what's a bucket list place you've never been you want to go? Well, I have a current favorite place that I'm traveling to, partly because my daughter moved to Israel. So right now, Israel is my favorite place to travel. And okay. I have actually fallen in love with Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv is such a fun city. And for me, it's kind of the perfect city because it's got the city vibe, really great food, unbelievable restaurants, and a beach with swimming and paddle boarding. So really for me, it's like the ideal city, right? I can have my city life. I don't have to drive to go to Walden. I literally could walk to the beach, go swim, get get on a paddle board. So it's like the best of both worlds. So I currently am having a love affair with Tel Aviv. Love it. And on my bucket list, gosh, there's a lot of places I would like to go. I want to go to Spain. The food is so good. Everybody says the food is amazing. The people are incredible. You know, Barcelona. Barcelona architecture is unlike anything I've ever seen. Oh my God. Right. And I've never been to Spain. I would really like to go to Spain. There are many places I would like to go, but like that just seems like fabulous. Great choice. Great choice. Okay, final question. If you could spend a day with somebody you've never met, dead or alive, who would you choose and why? No, honestly, I think it feels like a cheesy answer, but right now my mom is 89 and it would be my mom. I love that. I feel like we're in precious time together right now. That's so beautiful, Nina. I love that. Yeah. Time is always of the essence, right? Like, so special. I think when at that age, I realized this is not, this is not forever. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take advantage of, of these days and these moments. I love that. That was so beautiful. The pregnancy, I mean, I'm already emotional, but the pregnancy <laughs> is emotional. It's kicking in. <laughs> That's so nice. There's nothing like pregnancy hormones. Oh, Everything yeah. is tears. Seriously, I know. Though. Seriously. It is. Oh, <laughs> of course. That. It's okay, a good so- thing. 
This has been amazing. Can you share with us again how they can follow you on social and check out your website and all the things? Um, so the best way to find me is my website, ninamanelson.com. You can always just email me, Nina at Nina Manelson. I'm on Facebook, Nina Manelson. I'm on Instagram, Nina Manelson. I'm on LinkedIn as Nina Manelson. And type in Nina Manelson and you'll find what you need. And you'll find me. That's pretty much it. Yeah. And Jackie, it's such, such a delight to be with you and to talk to you. It's so fun. You're so full of joy. Thanks, Nina. I appreciate that. Sending hearts. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you everyone so much for tuning in to Becoming Next on Scene and stay tuned for who's next on Scene. The ups, the downs, and all the in-between. What it takes to become next on scene. Are you next? Follow us at Next On Scene.